pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quackett Smith. Me, oh my, I haven't enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on. Enjoy. Draft Rugby, the game they play online in heaven. Welcome to the Draft Rugby Show. This is Season 5, Episode 22, uh, and we're reaching the exciting part of the Super Rugby Pacific season, the finals. Uh, of course, that brings upon us our Draft Rugby Fantasy Footy Finals as well. And uh, look, joining me on the pod tonight are three of those four finalists. Um, I guess that's including myself. It's a weird way to say that. But uh, boys, um, how are we doing? Harry, uh, mate, you've topped the table uh, in this regular season. How does it feel? Very good to be back, mate. First year ever. Last year, I finished fifth, I think, and just out of finals. So the uh, fantasy gods have taken their wrath on me last year, but I'm back. I'm back on top where I belong. Excellent. And uh, also doing his best to stay quiet, but I'm sure will give us his justifications and why he's the lowest ranked of the three of us on this podcast tonight, finishing in third on the table. Nelson, how are you, mate? Um, and I'm the top of the head-to-head matchups this year between <laughs> us. Um, but no, look, I uh, let it slip back end of the year. A little, little bit disappointing. I think I led for a vast majority of the year. And I really, Harry and I started talking when I was still on top that we wanted the two Dales on top. So what am I, yeah. we're a little bit disappointed that you're involved, but we will still be the two Dales in the grand final. And that's what matters most. Look, really, <clears throat> I was thinking of our podcast audience more than anything in making sure that didn't happen uh, because... Not only did I not want to hear, uh, never hear the end of it, I yeah, don't think they anyway. did either. But, um, no, we've discussed this in previous weeks. Looking back on the season, I think, Nels, you uh, you came out of the gates well with picking up a lot of Aussies um, with a lot of those COVID games postponed and whatnot, but uh, just didn't quite make that shift fast enough to uh, fill that team out with Kiwis. Uh, although you did you did nail it with uh, with a certain Timothy Tavatavanawai. I, did, I held him for a few weeks when he wasn't playing as well after his first matchup and had a team of Fanganuku who didn't really come good at the same point like I thought he could. But Timothy mm. Tavatavanawai, mate, can't beat that. Anyway, but no, look, apart from a super exciting fantasy season, so uh, our fantasy season, very, very close. As uh, we were just saying before the pod, uh, us three being in the top three all finished with 10 wins and five losses. So um, I think that's the first time that's ever happened, just separated by bonus points. Um, so very close. And generally our whole league was very, very close. So uh, there was contention. a lot of people in contention to get into the finals or even still in the spoon battle in the last week, which made it really, really good. And it was similar similar to um, Super Rugby, you know, came down to the very last match and could someone win for someone else? And, you know, that's very much how this worked out. If, if I didn't get the win, you know, not someone a, slotted through. Not and... exactly like Super Rugby, mate. Someone didn't freaking take a knee when they could have won it for someone else, but we'll get there, <laughs> won't we? We'll get to that. Yeah. Get, yeah. get to the grievances. No, look, I mean, yeah, it, was, it certainly made for an interesting last weekend, didn't it? No, like literally after every game, you had to go and re-look at the table to think, what were the implications of each result uh, and how did the how did the table shift around? So super, super interesting. And I think they we've just nailed it with Super Rugby Pacific, just been one of the one of the most exciting seasons of Super Rugby uh, ever, as far as I'm concerned. So um yep. without uh, without further ado, let's let's rip into it and uh, let's get stuck into our entree this evening, which was round 15, the final week of the regular season. And um who wants to take us through the first couple of fixtures? Crusaders versus the Reds was the first game to kick off the weekend. 28-15 to the Crusaders. 
And I think this was uh, a pretty one-sided first half in particular. So the halftime score was 21 to three Crusaders in complete control. And then the, the Reds did fight back. I thought they were a lot better in the second half. They got a bit more continuity into their game and I, I guess threatened a little bit more, but they just couldn't really get a foot in on the set piece. And I think it just made it too easy to let the pressure off. The Crusaders could kind of get out of their own end and uh, and they were just too good at scoring points themselves. So it's going to be a big ask for the Reds to back that up next week. Yeah, the, the second match of the round was the Fiji Ndrua versus the Chiefs. This one was an absolute belter. Chiefs going down, uh, Chiefs getting the win, 35 to Almost. 34. Um, the only thing that was really going down, I don't know if you guys were watching the boys sitting in the tree in the background, falling out of the tree with the branch breaking. I mean, everyone was there wanting to watch this game. And I, I think it would have been similar with viewers on, on the telly as well, because that Fijian crowd is, is just uh, absolutely awesome to watch. I, oh. I couldn't watch this live because I was working. I genuinely still haven't watched this game because it's the only game of the year that I know I'll go back and watch the full 80-minute yeah. version at any time as soon as I have some free time. The, the drawer actually came back in this one. They, they, you know, they were having a fair crack throughout the match, but in that final 10 minutes, I think they scored three tries to give themselves, you know, that final minute to try and snatch a win out. And I mean that is that is awesome to see. Everyone oh, went man, happy. Fair, fair enough. You thought they won as well. I mean that's I almost remember it the same way. I mean that, yeah. Newbum New and I were watching it uh, live in the afternoon, and uh, we're going almost falling out of our seats. It was that exciting. Uh, you actually, we really thought they were going to get it done. It was huge. But how was um, that no, awesome how, crowd? How was that Humbossy run from his own oh. line? My goodness, he is he's actually getting better. Like he is, he was he was really fast. Now he's running through tackles as well. He's outrageous, mate. He's, He's now been a year from his deathbed, so he's he's getting stronger by the day. Goodness, next year's horrifying. And that's it. It was interesting that you mentioned, like, you know, them guilty of perhaps falling off towards the end of some games, but when they're at home in Fiji, I mean, it shows the difference. So hopefully next no year way. they can get their full quota of home games and Pretty. they just build and build into it. So. I- we need to set ourselves a dream of going to, to Fiji in the next couple of years. But, Kagi, do you want to take us through this next match? Yep, the uh, Moana Pacifica defeating the Brumbies. Who yeah. saw that coming? Um, speaking of big games, um, yeah, things just really clicked for Moana. Um, you know, it, it well, not early, sorry, I should say, but they did click into gear. Uh, early in about the, in the ninth minute, uh, lost Sokopi Kepu to a red card um, in his 150th game of Super Rugby, no less. He was um, pretty gutted, but I think perhaps that just kind of like rallied the boys. Um, you know, they just absolutely stepped it up from that kind of from that moment onwards and um yeah just we've got stuck into everything i mean the brumbies didn't help themselves with a couple of yellow cards but they just the brumbies weren't on and the moana pacifica were just really getting stuck in um with the physicality and the breakdown and what whatnot what did you guys think of that i i uh watched again the highlights of their pre-game ritual their their challenge that they throw out today and you can't not be fired up watching it. So, so good. Kepo in the middle, middle leading it. It was just such a big build-up to the game. Obviously, I think Kepo is their spiritual leader off-field and on-field. And his 150th game, they really just wanted to perform for him, I think. And despite the uh, the upset, obviously, of him being <clears throat> red card and now banned, I, I believe, for three weeks as well, um, they just lifted. And the Brumbies just couldn't get in the game. Yeah, just... Totally unexpected, right? It, just it was 
it was just the perfect way to finish the season for them. I think you know taking a big scalp um, just shows you know the the huge future they have ahead of them. Yeah. Yep. And we'll get to that in our dessert. There's some great um, insights from that. But um, that's right. Waratahs versus the Blues. Now this is sorry the Blues B team, um, the Blues pups. So of course the Waratahs were going to win, except they didn't. The baby Blues. The baby Blues. Yeah. Yeah. We got it. Nice. It was actually the Tars that left with the Blues because they went down 17 to 20 with their last second drop goal from Zahn Sullivan, which looked like he was going to miss. I, I swear when he kicked it, it was, he skied it. But no, it went through the post and broke the hearts of the Waratahs. The first half, I thought, my only takeaway was the Waratahs all season have gone to the line and tried to really put the foot on the throat whenever they've had an opportunity in attack. But there are a few times there in that first half where things weren't quite flowing for them where I thought they really need to get some points on the board and kind of try and get their rhythm back. And they just didn't. And they just turned over ball, made mistakes, and just couldn't quite get their game going. And I think they went in, I think it was 3-0 at half time from memory. And the Tars were bloody awful in that first half. They could have been up nine or 12 points if they actually took some of their opportunities. So very disappointing there. They played a bit better in the second half and the Blues somehow just clawed it back. And it, it says a lot about the quality of the young players. And, you know, my one only other comment was Anton Segner breaks his leg and, and uh, you know, the poor bloke, the <clears> season's <throat> over, but they get to bring on Akira Yuane. I felt <laughs> yeah. like that was just a bit unfair as well. Early, that's that's a bit harsh. On, yeah, on 16 the minutes in or something. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think the, the Tars just, they were opting, you know, scoreboard pressure wasn't an option for them because they thought they were so due to win this game that they really wanted to put on a good show for the final home game. But um, yeah, just too many missed opportunities. I, I'd be interested to go back and see how many shots at goal they missed. I know they missed one or two, but um, yeah, huge. So now yeah, Force Hurricanes. Next matchup, yeah, it was the Force taking a big scalp as well against the Hurricanes 27-22. They entered this one knowing they needed a win at, at least to make the final. It was a bonus point winner would have made life a lot easier for them. Um, and I think this was really a team effort for, for the force. You know, there wasn't necessarily an individual standout. It wasn't Mattielli running 400 metres like every other game. But their, their scrum was, was dominant. Um, the Canes only won six of their own nine. Uh, they also, the Canes let themselves down off the tee, kicking one of four. It really just seemed like the force wanted it more in, in, in this one and, and you know, wanted to, to end the season, you know, giving themselves one last crack to, to continue on into the playoffs. I think it was the Artie Sevilla factor, wasn't it? Like, no, having no Artie Sevilla coming off the bench to win the game for them. Oh, he did. He did come off the I bench. I take it back. Yeah. <laughs> take it back, well, sorry. It's it's actually it's interesting you said that. I, again, um, I remember watching this game and just saying um, – Oh, yeah, we, we were watching this game at the pub. I was saying to you, Harry, I was saying, um, uh, oh, Artie's come off the bench now. He's going to go into uh, yeah. Artie mode of, I'll do it myself. And then he yeah. almost did. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I got a bit worried. But uh, now the force just yeah. really stepped up. I think they were kind of, they were probably galvanized behind, um, you know, the retirements of some quite big players in Greg Holmes, Richard Kahui, uh, someone else who I'm forgetting. Um, I, th- I think the Hurricanes were off on this game, but it just showed what, the force could do when they were mentally really dialed in. And I think they've gone, they went way off with their, their mental kind of fortitude application through the back half of this season. As soon as Tim Sampson was announced as kind of leaving the club. Yeah. And it was, it was great to see what they could do because yeah, they really took it to the hurricanes and they deserved their win. Thoroughly deserved it. Yeah, absolutely. 
And the final fixture of the round Sunday afternoon game was uh, the Rebels defeating the Highlanders 31-30. to um, Huge win from the Rebels. Uh, I mean, certainly certainly the Highlanders, uh, you know, will have been the worst, well, the worst, second worst team, shall we say, uh, uh, after Moana Pacifica, I suppose, in the um, New Zealand conference. But um, yeah, just, I guess, I guess we still all thought the uh, Highlanders were going to win this comfortably. Uh, if we, if we turn it back to last week's pod, um, the Rebels needed an eight, eight point win um, for the force to, uh, and this is why we were talking about earlier about checking the table and, and what I meant, if, if the Rebels got an eight-point win, then the Force would have stayed above the Highlanders and been in the quarterfinals. Is that right? Yeah, no, so, yeah, the, the Rebels, if they got the bonus point win, it meant the Force would have gone through because the Highlanders only needed that one bonus point at that point to, to con, you know, consolidate themselves. But the big thing out of this for the Rebels were, you know, when they actually put their players in their right positions, give certain people a crack, they show that they can actually be a threat, you know. I, I think the 10-12 the of Gordon um, Totomua was really, really solid. Um, you know, they had Leota and other people back having a, a crack and Pony for Amasaili back. And these players have trickled back into the squad throughout the season. And um, it was it was a really good performance from them. Yeah, in saying that, though, I am. I think this is the worst New Zealand backline I can remember in Super Rugby history. <laughs> in, and I mean that in minus completely genuinely Thomas like, among a Jensen. well obviously they've got Aaron Smith at nine but as a, as a whole out from there so as, Thomas, as a whole Nils yeah. Yeah, yeah as a whole yeah Thomas among Jensen is a beast of a runner but he didn't exactly have a great game Marty Banks at 10 Josh Timu at 13 you got Rory Van Voigt and Fatuli Pyre as the wings and Liam Coops Fabling who you know you heard our if you listen to the show you know how negatively we were on him <laughs> in the first half of this season so Oh my God, that is such a bad backline. It's the only reason I could understand the Rebels having a chance. And the Rebels played well. They deserved their win. I, I love that stand, put that footage up recording the force watching the game <clears> and crossing so to them reacting. It was awesome. Yeah. It was it was almost one of the most exciting finishes. Yeah. When we knew that they got the last penalty. I was over the moon yelling at the TV yeah. going, everyone, look at this. This is oh, insane. Yeah. Even Erica, who yeah. hasn't has barely watched any rugby, my wife, this year, she was into it. She wanted to see what happened. Yeah. So very good. But we'll get to the uh, the actions taken by one uh, coaching department at the end of that game in yeah. our dessert. Yeah. That's it. But no, I, I agree, Harry. And to think that the Highlanders could have had, I mean, uh, you know, Solomon Alamalu um, has not been available for selection, but him, they could have signed Waseki Nahola. There was a lot of chat earlier in the season. Yeah. I know he's a bit older, but uh, mate, Pick him who day. they could have had? You know, just yeah. It's either him or Fatuli Payam, man. Ah, tough. I'd still take freedom as well. Yes. Yeah. And right, I, look, right. I, I think I don't know we if we'll we'll do a a retrospective after the season's uh, over, talking about how the various teams went. But I think the Rebels, for mine, we called it very early in the season. I think they went wrong from just um, dropping Carter Gordon. You know what I mean? Just from yeah. that point, that was... In no sense. Exactly. But look, so. they, they also, in the back end of the season, I think started to get better as they got their their big forwards back through as well. So yeah. that really mm. shored up their set piece. But again, oh, mate, we, we, maybe we'll look at this in a few weeks' time. Pone and, and Elof have, have to be two of the best tight heads going around. But um, yeah, let's push. Let's get on to the fantasy <laughs> man of the week um, or men yep. of the week. We had Vinaya Hamosi. 74 points should be probably an extra hundred just for that one run at the uh, at the end there. But um, 74 points, eight runs, 105 meters, 10 tackle busts, a line break, 
four offloads and a try assist. As we said, just getting better and better. Uh, we had Marino Micheli, two, 73 points. So he's really shown his rich, rich, what he can do in his rich vein of form uh, at the end of the season. Uh, Richie Asiata off the bench, 70 points, did come on pretty early. Asiata. So Asiata, thanks. Uh, Will Jordan, 64 points. Fergus Burke, 61. And the aforementioned Thomas Umanga Jensen, 61 points. Um, yeah, super, super sub there. Actually, I think there was a couple in this one, but Richie Asiata. Um, came in early. He started at 70 points. <laughs> he, he did play 76 minutes, but he came in off the bench. Sub, mate. He's a sub. And uh, <laughs> he had six carries in that 76 minutes for 18 metres, three metres uh, uh, run. That's beautiful. Um, one try, 15 of 16 tackles, two tackle bars of the line break, three turnovers, one. So he did have a really, really solid game today. And his reward and, and, has been pushed back to the bench. This I was going to say, and, and spoilers, he he wasn't enough to get him to the uh, starting side this week. So Matty Fazler in his, I mean, f- fair enough for Matty Fazler in his first ever start did get uh, knocked, just got knocked out in, within the fourth minute. So giving him another yeah. shot, huge credit there. The Captain Mud Award. Uh, this this award is always close to my heart. That's why I always jump in, guys. Uh, Harry was always mud on the footy. Yeah. Too, that <laughs> That's right. I really relate to it. <laughs> Um, compared to all these players, to be fair, definitely do. So um, it was a draw this week. Not all of them. Jerome Brown, no, everyone. Higher? Yeah, still, he would destroy me. <laughs> <laughs> Jerome Brown and Sakopi Kepu, minus 23 points. Now, Sakopi Kepu, look, he had a red card, so it's understandable. Minus Jerome 20. Brown only had a yellow. So the question is, how did he do it? Well, I can tell you, as an open side flanker for the Brumbies, he made five of his 11 attempted tackles. So that is six negatives minus 18 points as well. That is horrific. Yeah, that's that's no good. That sounds about that sounds like um Nelson's average uh, tackle percentage uh, throughout his career. Um you know, about 50 From my strong sets, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um yeah, that's that's no bueno and that has seen him also fall to the bench um spoilers in the quarterfinals. So let's push on then and talk about the quarterfinals. So let's get to our main course and um, some exciting fixtures coming up. I think we've got just the one game on Friday night, and it's a repeat. Um, it's not Groundhog Day. Same fixture again. Crusaders and the Reds uh, in Christchurch again. So not really the team you want to play and not really the place you want to play, but um, there you go. That's what we have. So, Harry, do you want to take us through the injuries, new injuries and uh, returning? Yeah, so both Sebi Reese and Matt Faisler were concussed last weekend, but both are recovered. So um, no new outs for either team, which is fantastic news. you got Richie Moe coming back from his finger injury, Cody Taylor from his rib injury. I'd suggest both could have played if they really needed to. Um, and then Hunter Paisami coming back on the bench from his shoulder injury as well. So good that they get a bit more cavalry and depth uh, there as well. Last time they played, it was 28 to 15 between the two sides. I think we've just covered that one, so we don't need to go in too, too much there. But um, other changes for the Satyrs? Um, for the Satyrs, we've only got well, we've got the two that you mentioned, Taylor and Mourner, coming back into the starting side. But we've also got Goodhue shifting back into the centres at outside centre, partnering with uh, David Harvilli, meaning uh, Enor uh, shifts back to the bench. Um, but, look, oh, I think other things... For the Crusaders, the, they really had the edge in both the scrum and the lineouts last week against the Reds. No Tupo, obviously, pretty devastating for their scrum. But I think, you know, the addition of Taylor just strengthens that, you know, 
that head-to-head matchup for, for me. So it's something that they can use really to just build on and, and create opportunities for them throughout the season, throughout the, the match. Yep. Um, there wasn't they, a really solid bench, Kagi. They do. Well, they, I mean, they always have. But, uh, I mean, look, we're looking at an all-black back line. We're looking at the all-black, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of the all-black all forward pack. Um, I mean... That's why they dominated set pace. I mean, just some of the names, McAllister, Newell, Christie, Enor, Bridge. I mean, that is some Mm. exciting players coming on late. Yeah, I I can't exactly say that I think the Reds are going to dominate the back half of this game. So, (laughs) uh, look, there's a lot of ifs if the Reds are going to somehow find a way to win this. But I think they need to be up by probably 12 to 14 points at the 60-minute mark if there are any hope because Crusaders at home in a final. I don't believe they've ever lost a final at home. I think that record still stands. Um, I don't really see how it's possible, but they're going to be coming home bloody strong and they're going to be very, very confident too. So One I don't of, see them panicking no matter what the score. That's true. There's, I mean, they have barely ever lost at home like in general in the last however many years. And I just want to go back to this point. We talk, talked about it earlier in the season, but the only man to have never lost at uh, Orange Theory Stadium in Christchurch is Luke Romano because the Blues did uh, did pip them this hey. year. Kagi, I don't, I don't know about you, but I've never lost there. Um, the, the Reds, the, one of the issues with the Reds are building on what you said, Harry, is they just haven't been able to put in an 80-minute performance, I think, since Super Rugby AU. They, they started a few of these early Kiwi games really, really solidly, created the opportunities, and they just couldn't protect it. Um, and, and last week, they just started really slowly and built into the game. So... I mean, it's it's a tough task to come up against the Crusaders, but if they're not playing from whistle to whistle and going 100% throughout that, this, this could be a, a bad one for them. I've, I've never believed in this whole, like, getting spanked in the first half and you came good in the second half. I, I genuinely don't believe it. If you're down 21-3, the other team mentally has switched yeah. off. So I, I, I n- nil all. It's half time, boys. Nil all. Nil all. Okay, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think that's, that's the what Crusaders. I, that's what everyone says. But you can't tell me when you're winning the game easily that you're not a little less intense. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think you, you said it all, Harry, in, in it's it's not even just a fast start. It's they need to be ahead by by two scores come come in into, the second, into the second half, um, you know, the final 20 minutes. It's let's, Yeah. Let's jump into some of the changes for this uh, red side. As, as we said, uh, Faisler's still starting, but, you know, we didn't see much of him in the last matchup, so he gets his real first crack. At starting at hooker. Um, and they've gone, you know, the, the continued the rotation of Hoopert and Xander um, in the, the propping department with Hoopert uh, starting this time. Kept Seru Uru there at six, brought in Liam Wright to start well, at he, seven. Now, Uru was, he actually played lock last week and they oh, had sorry, um, yeah. Angus Scott Young. So that's, uh, this is an interesting one that I definitely wanted your opinion as our back row specialist on, Nels, um, in terms of, uh, I mean, I, I Bring Liam Wright back into the starting uh, fold, certainly for his his leadership as co-captain. But um, I guess how would you have balanced that back row? I, I personally, I thought we were going to see a Liam Wright, Fraser McWright, and, well, and Wilson. I, I think it's hard to drop Fraser McWright, but he definitely brings a higher energy level. And uh, we were touching on you know how strong the Crusaders finish. Oh, I think they they think that they need some spark in the back end of this this match for me. But Liam Wright can help them make some some you know better better choices throughout the first you know 40, 50 minutes. When do you take points? When do we do scrums and lineouts? Because he is quite a good leader and, and quite a good thinking leader. So I think he might be able to, you know, 
add through his, you know, his knowledge throughout early in this match, why McWright will add through his impact, you know, through his energy levels. I think that's definitely part of it. But there's another glaring thing that I think they're trying to fix here, and that is they are the third worst line-out success team in the competition, 79%. Compared, I think they're only better than Moana Pacifica and Fijian and Thrua. So I think Liam Wright, compared to Fraser McWright, is a better jumper in the line-out, and they brought, brought Angus Blythe back as well. So I think they're just going for the tallest kind of set piece they can get to try and get some parity so they can try and hopefully fix what is a huge issue for them in set piece, which means that they just haven't been able to put pressure on. So they were pretty good last week. I think they won 14 to 17, but I think that they, they must know that it's their Achilles heel. And if there are any chance of building pressure on the Crusaders, the line out and the scrum is going to be a big part of it. There's more weight behind the scrum and there's more, more height in the line out. I think one of the funny things about their, their line out is it, at, in patches throughout the season, it seemed all right. In patches, it seemed really quite weak. And I don't know if that's the leadership of, you know, Ryan Smith in, in the line-out and how he's been trying to control it. Like, he was obviously leading the line-out last week. Um, and maybe he's, you know, someone else that can bring a little bit more knowledge to that, not, not just his height, in terms of where he thinks some some opportunities are for them in, in the line-out as well. I think that's spot on, Harry. I'm, I'm surprised, actually, that they won 14 of 17. I yeah. actually thought they would have lost more, but uh, there was clearly somewhere the Crusaders looked to attack them. So I think even if they did win the ball, they yep. didn't get good ball from a lot yep. of those lines. No, there was Definitely. a lot of scrappy ball. On Definitely. And uh, Lawson Crichton's <clears throat> probably the other one, guys. I think the spotlight will once again come on him. They're 0-4 with Lawson Crichton starting now. Yeah. Does it go 0-5? Can he have a chance? What does he have to do well? I think <clears throat> probably the bigger question He's not going to be James O'Connor. <clears throat> what does he need to do to do his role well? Look, I think he's kicking <coughs> a real pivotal part of this because if he's kicking the ball to touch, it has to be out. It has to be wide enough that it cannot be thrown into play. You cannot get the ball to, you know, the Will Jordans and the other players in that back three. And then if we're kicking in field, it can't be an aimless kick downfield. I think it has to be high and short and either put Vunavalu up against it, competing with them, or you're sending in the likes of Wilson, you're sending in the likes of Paisami when he comes um, comes on to put that pressure on Will Jordan so he doesn't have the space in open open field. I agree. I, 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 no, I think that's that's a very valid point. A lot of teams, obviously, kicking up the middle to try and um, you know bring the you know make the wingers come in field a little bit. But um, I think you're right. I think they've just got to kick it kick it well and truly out every time. It's, if you're trying, if you're going to play in any broken play, any re- kick returns, that's all. That game's always going to favour the Crusaders. You just have yeah. to look at their back three. Mm-hmm. So I think they should be looking to slow it down and really kick it well and truly out each time. I mean, Lawson Crichton did get a, a pretty good 50-22 last week, I remember, but um, I don't think he should be going for those. They should just be, if the opportunity arises for that, then have a crack. But otherwise, well and truly out. I've got, I've got two things, guys, to wrap this game up before we get on to the, uh, the big questions we always ask. Number one, Brad Thorne and the team talking about the origin mindset. I can't cop that. I'm just sick of rugby league analogies and the Queensland Reds thinking that it makes them tough. I just don't get it. Don't care. It's not origin champs. You're playing a Kiwi side for one. And actually talk to us about 
you know, toughing up, toughening it up when you actually win the game by being tough. So I don't know. It's I'm, just it's a beat up for me. It's a crap headline, and yeah. I hate it. I'd rather hear a Burslow mindset. You yeah, know, we're, we're having a crack against the Kiwis, and we want to do it for Australia. I don't care that you don't have to Queensland. Yeah, that's the worst clickbait uh, of all time. The old origin something. Oh, that's an origin tackle. It's like well, last week that was just the tackle. I hate it in the league, let alone in union. I know we've well, given that we've given that uh, enough that that fire enough uh, airtime. Air so should have been um, the grievances, to be honest. And my <laughs> other question was uh, Hunter Paisami. How early in the game are you bringing him on? I think it depends uh, how the game's unfolding. Um, look, I mean, if you want to get him bulk minutes, you get him in as soon as you can. Seventy, like ten minute mark, get him on. <laughs> yeah, you start him on the field, <laughs> but I mean, he's going to bring an impact, and if you're bringing him on when you are having a bit of a lead and there's that, you know, 25, 30 minutes left and you really need him to add some starch to, to stop this bounce back of the Crusaders. Beautiful. That's, that's when you bring him on 25 minutes, you know, left in, in play 30 minutes left. If you're getting pumped early, you just get him on as early as you can walk him out of the second half, you know, out off the kickoff. I, I don't really care and, and shift that back three around. I wouldn't expect we see him until uh, you know, 25 minutes to go would be the earliest. Um, but I do like that concept, Nels, of um, if you start getting towards the last, uh, you know, 25 minutes, whatever, the Crusaders start building any momentum. As soon as they get like one try, send him on and just get him to take someone send, out. You know what mate, I mean? Send him hunting. Well, send yeah. him hunting. I was going to say, you got uh, Havili and Goodhue in the centres. Both are sec- really can play second 5-8 very, very well. Um, or arguably both could even do a job at 10, I reckon. Um, that means that there can be a lot of depth or a lot of ball going out to the likes of Lester Fangranuku, Will Jordan and Sebu Reese. Hunter Paisami is the only player in that back line that you know can shoot out of his line and put a hit on and stop the ball from getting wide. So I think he's going to play a huge role in trying to hold down the defence, and I just hope he shoulders it 100% to be able to actually do that effectively. Look, if it was 100%, I think he's he's a walk-up starter in this one. Surely you get the, the man on the field. And Dungunu had a had a decent crack last week, but um, I don't think he would be starting if Paisami uh, was good to go. Yeah, I agree. Brad Thorne has throughout the season, um, he has rewarded players. like He has made players return from the bench, <clears> but I agree. I, I'd throw Hunter straight. I okay. think they would throw Hunter straight back in. Kogi, how do you see this one going? Um, I see the shocking uh, sh- shocking result here. I see the Crusaders winning this game. Uh, I see the Crusaders winning this game comfortably. And uh, by that, I'm going to tip the Crusaders by 15. Okay. Look, I, I, I really hope the Reds can have a crack here. Um, I think they won by, how much was it last week? 18. 18. <laughs> that was yeah, the number it. I have written down, 18. So I'm going to say 18 again. And I hope I'm wrong. Can I change mine to 20 now? Because uh, Or is it... Uh, no, okay. And uh, I'm also... Didn't you say 20? Yes, I said... Yes, yes, good. Yeah. I said 20. That's what I agree. <laughs> he said 80. He said 20. Um, no? All right. And uh, maybe that was just what I had in my head. Uh, I'm going to go 16, guys, as well. I think it's going to be slightly closer, but really one horse race. And yeah, your no. top fantasy scorers, guys? I'll go first. I'm going to go uh, Sever Reese running out Dungunu. It's on mine. Excellent. Yeah. I'm gonna, well, I'm going to steal Harry's next one. I'm going to go Richie Mwanga just for being Richie Mwanga. Wow. Okay. And then I guess that leaves me with the obvious other low-hanging fruit, Will Jordan, because he always scores a million points. And Lester Fanganuku and Cody Taylor. And <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, Will Jordan, man. He'll be top fantasy scorer for sure. Yeah, it's probably fair. 
Excellent. Now on to the biggest game of the quarterfinals. Um, the first game on Saturday, the <laughs> Chefs taking on the Waratahs. It is a home game for the Chefs in Waikato. Um, Harry, fill us in on the injuries, please. I'd love to. And in the meantime as well, I'd just like to show the Chiefs lineup. We're getting the, we're doing oh. the Dan Sports special, the TBC at... on the Chiefs. We it's need, always we need... the Chiefs with the TBC. <laughs> They're letting us down week after week. We're just used to it now. Oh, here, here I was thinking you were going to have like a breaking news banner flash across the screen, and then we did have the lineup had just come out or something. But all right, no, we're not that. No, no, I think it's about uh, midnight in uh, New Zealand right now, so probably not going to be released right now. That's but uh, look, there are a few injuries that we do know. Caleb Trask came off with an HIA, and apparently he's very unlikely to play. Sam Kane, they've now said, again, highly, highly unlikely. They haven't ruled him out, but he, he's expected to miss this week with his MCL strain. And Josh Lord as well, whatever his twisting style knee injury was that he had originally expected to play, they're saying that he won't be back. Uh, in the same boat, talking about knees and not recovering, Isaiah Parisi. Uh, they said he was doing some running late last week along with Harry Johnson Holmes, but HDH was just ahead of him in terms of his recovery. HDH is back. Isaiah Parisi is not. But Nelson had a chat to him when we weaseled our way into the VIP section at the Waratahs game. Kagi Kagi did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we did. Uh, Nubum and I had a good chat to, to Izzy. He was in good spirits, but... Um... He uh, said he'd be back in four weeks. So um, I reckon he's I reckon he's pulling your leg there. So right? There's I, no way. There's no yeah. way that's true. If he's running around at training, there's no way. Well, he's not playing this week. But he hasn't been uh, named yeah, in the lineup. Was, Spoilers. He'll play next week. There's there's mixed. Yeah, he will play next week. Nice. Um, there's there's mixed reports, and I saw. I think it was only yesterday. It came out saying Waratah is sweating on his return, thinking that he, he's very very close and could have played this week. So he he must be close. And I mean. If someone gets COVID midweek and you bring him in, I, I wouldn't be disappointed. I mean, look, we can go with what both of you want to hypothesize, or we can go with what he said when I spoke he to, lied him. to you. So let's go with that. You. Yeah, that's fair. Um, returning guys as well. We we don't obviously know on the chief side of things, but there's a few players there. Uh, Kalen Boshier had a non-COVID-related illness, so we expect him to be back and he'll be needed this week as well. Sione Mafaleo has been out for a fair few weeks with a back injury, but I know that all their non-season-ending injuries were expected to be fit last week, so he should be round. Shooter Stevenson the same. He did his MCL in round nine, was seen in a brace. So as a six-week injury, he's still kind of back around now, so I think he's highly likely if they need some depth on the wings. And then the other question is just attending Hanoi Saturo. I'm, I'm just yeah. crossing my fingers that we do see him because all of a sudden he becomes super hot property in the uh, the finals this week. But I, I just have no idea if he's going to be back or not, to be honest. No, this, this is where we find out where your loyalties lie, Harry. Uh, I mean, for the Waratahs, we definitely don't want him to be back this week. But for <laughs> your fantasy options, you'd love to have an extra option for an outside back department. No, no, look, no attendee or anyone else is going to save the Chiefs this week. <laughs> Perfect. Look, the, um, the last time these two sides matched up, the, look, we'll, we'll go into detail. Yeah, we'll, you want to say one more thing? I was just going to say, hey, just confirming as well. HGH is back. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so the last time these guys played was again in Waikato, and it was a Chiefs win, fifty-one to twenty-seven. But let's preface that a little bit. There was a, a red card in the second minute to Angus Bell. There was an injury to Parecki in the third minute. Their second hooker got injured within the first half. So they had, you know, Jake Gordon throwing line outs. They had, you know, back rowers throwing line outs. 
And the the line out and the scrum that was, was the pretty uncontested scrum as well in the back end. And we had do we have to take a player off the field for that? You do. that yeah, yep. yeah. So we, we tried to sneak for the Arthur one, but um, <laughs> yeah. line outs were pretty dismal. And, and really, the way it, it sort of culminated for for the Tars was they so just you did there. What culminated? Yeah, nice culminated. <laughs> oh, I didn't do that on purpose, um, but I'll claim it. Um, the the Tars just. You know, got destroyed in the set piece, and, and it meant that they didn't have much um, ball in hand time. They were playing deep within their own half, um, and it wasn't really the performance we've come to to expect from the Waratahs. They they didn't necessarily fall apart right throughout the match, but they just couldn't put things together um, for for consistent periods. Yep, agreed. Um, well, let's just jump straight into the chefs for this week, and uh, I'm going to talk about the chefs because I see here that you guys did not read the article in which I linked and have gone and overwritten my notes in which I've told you what was going to happen this week, but that's all right. Um, so yeah, for that, it. he's just wrong. There was Are an article on? that just confirming that Sam Kane's not playing this week and that Kalen Boshier is available, but... Um, yeah, that's what I said at the start of the, the team review, dude. Well, you said he might not be back, but the, the other thing they did say no, uh, is the, that they said... The, articles, the article they, says that they said he's Joshua and they're will not be starting ready to 15. rule him out yet. They're not ready to rule him out yet, but then the reporter says he's all but ruled out. All right, look, this is making for very compelling podcasting <laughs> when you try to talk over me. But the the other things in that article that were crucial were uh, that Joshuani is going to start at fullback this week, is what they said. <laughs> Mate. Uh, yes, okay, sorry. That What they actually said was he was the only player on the field last week who filled in and did a fantastic job at 15 in the 70 odd minutes that he got playing at 15 for the team last week because of the injury. They didn't say he will be 15 this week. They said he hadn't trained for that position and that he wouldn't necessarily be there. He wasn't expected to be there, but we're not, we, we can't forget the fact that both Narawa and um, Chase Tiatia are both actual fullbacks that have been training there all year. So I don't think they're saying that Joshua will start at 15. I'm happy to eat my words if he does, but considering he hasn't been training there, I just don't see that happening. Well, no, the, the article, we must have read a different article. Boys, I mean. uh, look, it it says and, he will start at 15. Okay. Guys, that's all right. We can go in circles. We can, we can we go in circles. It wouldn't be an issue if the Chiefs actually announced their lineups. Um, but that's, if we go that's through. That's the grievances. We'll get to our grievances, yeah, won't we? Through our predicted uh, forward pack, we're saying Ross, Samasoni, Tokiaho, Ta'avau, Retallic. We're saying maybe not to Vai, which means we could see Akoi come back in. Oh, no, Vai. No, Vai is good. Vai is good. Lord's out. Mm-hmm. Um, Vai, Jacobson, Boshir, and Sawakula to round out that back row. That's what we'd expect. I mean, that without Sam Kane, that that uh, forward pack picks itself, doesn't it? Really? Um, I guess the big question for them is: Can Peter Gus get back to the season form that he had in the first half of the year against the Kiwi sides? I think he's been a little bit quiet in the back half of the season. So he's been such a damaging ball runner, and I think he was the form eight for the first half of the comp by a long way. I just want to say, or I don't want to say it, but I, I wonder if he can't be as damaging as what he was in the early part of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was talked about as uh, as being in the All Blacks picture, wasn't he? Um, yeah, earlier on the season. So, yeah, it's, it's I can't put my finger on on why it's happened, but um, this I, I can actually. It's because he he got traded into Nelson's fantasy site. That's that's where it all started. Ah, doing, so. there you go. Right, uh, would have well, uh, Harry Wilson, who you know fell fell from his heights and his peaks early on in the season as well so it's okay but the we're thinking Weber Gatlin as the the 9-10 um do you see anything different there Kagi? 
No, for, for sure. I think that picks itself. Um, and particularly, I was saying that uh, Gatlin was actually featured as the stuff.nz's 10 of the Super Rugby season, Strong usurping guy. one Richie Mawunga and Bowden Barrett. So um, I think he's been cool. really good, to be fair. He has been good. But I don't think he's been the 10 of the season. No. no. No, that's me, me I no, still be picking ten. <laughs> I think that's. I think. Look, credit where it's due. He has been good, but, but I wouldn't be picking it as the ten of the season. But um, yeah. no, I think that picks itself. Uh, centers Tobia and uh, and Nankervel, Um They pick themselves in the absence of Anton Leonard Brown. Yep. Uh, Nana Saturo will be is the big question for this one, which we've talked about. Just a huge difference maker for that team. Um, and. The other wing, I mean, yeah, look, Narawa, we would like to see feature if, if it's on the wing or at fullback. Um, otherwise, there's who else is in the picture? There's Jonah Lowe. Chase TRT has been used on the Shoot, wing as well. Shooter's, shooter's back. He's, he's, he's back. And do they throw him straight into a quarterfinal? Um, but no, look, I mean, I, I could completely agree with you, Harry, in that uh, it would be really interesting if they did play Josh Iwani at 15, particularly given that he went to the Chiefs to play 10, because this is one of the problems was they... They put him at 15, they put him at inside centre at the Highlanders, and he said, I'm he at just, 10 and I want to play 10. Mate, he's got to take his opportunities when he's at 10 and then not get injured, mate. Like, he he wasn't a standout when he had, has had chances. So, I mean, if he wants to be in the paddock and they offer you a 15 and you say, no, you're an idiot. So, That's true. But I mean, I'm sure if they're offering it to him, he'll say yes. And I think I think we've discussed this a few times before, and I know he's injured this week, but, you know, I haven't been the, the biggest fan of having... the the 10 at 15 for the Chiefs with, with Caleb Trask um, or, or we haven't seen Josh Iwani yet. Um, you know, Harry doesn't. Only... But um, look, the one thing in this match for me was Waikato Stadium. It, it has not been a fortress for the Chiefs this year. They've won, I think, three from six um, a few weeks back, losing to the Brumbies there. So the, the Tars are coming off the back, you know, of some real confidence building, you know, months other than last week. We can let that one week before. That was close. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure that was a that was a huge worry, but uh, look, I, I think last week was was a blip on the the radar for them. But you know, a win against the Crusaders in Sydney, a win against the Highlanders in in New Zealand. I, I think there is some confidence building for them. But there's only that one change that we were touching on: Archer Holt to move into the bench, HJH coming back into the starting side. Um, we you you weren't a huge fan of Hannigan over Sinclair. I, I know Sinclair's been there and, and doing a job throughout think, the year. Yeah, I think that's it. I think look I, again, I've been pretty critical of Hugh Sinclair in the past, but he's quite clearly been serving a very important role in that pack because they've been working together very, very well. I think Ned Hannigan in his first game a couple of weeks ago came off the bench and had an absolute blinder. And then because of that and the fact that he's a Wallaby, they've said, okay, well, he's got to start. I thought he was pretty poor last week, to be honest. I don't think he really had much of an impact. A lot of the team was. Yeah, 100%. But it doesn't mean that you keep – like a lot of the team have a lot more runs on the board. This bloke also has only been training with the team for a few weeks as well. And I don't think you Sinclair really offers much as an impact player. He might do, take off a bit of the workload of some of the other guys when they're tired. But I just think that you're probably going to get more value out of Hannigan for 30 minutes in the end of the game than you are the other way around. Look, I, I think it's fair. And, and you know, Coleman's been picking on form. So it does seem a little bit out of character. Um, but, look, I, I, that that first matchup from Hannigan, before he left as well, he, he was seeming in good form. So I, I think they're just thinking maybe he offers a bit more ball in hand. I, I don't know Sinclair's been this a part of that starch defence 
that we've seen throughout this forward pack throughout the year either. I think he's been a part of the side. I don't think he's been, you know, a standout like a Holloway or someone like that in that defensive structure either. either. Um, they've slot Cridgeen, they've removed him, and, you know, there's been a little bit of a hole there, and, and maybe that's why they're giving Hannigan that chance. I agree. Look, I think that they've been lucky that the line-out's been operating pretty well um, and that they don't really need that second really tall lock because, I mean, Jed Holloway is not a super tall lock by any means um, anyway. So you're lucky they've got the likes of Will Harris. Um, and even though Hooper and Gamble aren't massive, they seem to get them up very quickly. So uh, it's not a question of the line-outs, but um, I, I, I think Harry nailed it with, uh, yeah, you'd, you'd rather have Sinclair for, for 50 and yeah. Flanagan for, for 30. So. Interesting. Um, look, I, I think the Tars have played a very mobile um, game all year. And, yes, Sinclair's a back row come lock, as Holloway is, as, you know, Hannigan is. But Hannigan maybe offers a bit more ball skills to, to get that ball to those wider channels and, and, and play that sort of role a little bit as well um, as, as running a little bit more. So maybe he just fits the way they want to play around the paddock. That's what I'm thinking. And I think the other one talking, the other talking point is Raboni, who I thought was really good when he got his chance to start for a few weeks. He's been left off the bench for Langy Gleeson, who again, you know, we've got big raps on this young bloke, Langy Gleeson, but he was injured last week. So he's probably a little bit undercooked as well. But Bonnie, just not even in the 23, really surprised me as well. It's interesting. That would would lead me to believe Bonnie must have some type of um, news or something. There might. There must be a reason for that. Could still, could still be his hip, you would yeah, think. He's got, surely. I think, an ongoing issue with overload of that hip and what's going on in his hip joint. So. And now you guys, I was going to say, you guys were very excited because um, you you said after the game you'd much rather the Tars be playing the Chiefs than playing the Brumbies in the quarterfinal. So, um, but I, I don't think the, the Chiefs have shown us that they're unbeatable. You know, in the last few weeks, then Drew played really, really well against them. Um, I think there's so, just three top teams in the comp right now. That's yeah. the truth. Yeah, 100%. and the Chiefs are fourth, and it's so... happy to not be versing one of the three. Though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> tips, guys, who you got? Look, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb. I I think the the Tars can get this one done. Uh, By how many tries? I think they're going to scrape through. Uh, like I, I might might say more than penalty. I'm going to say Tars by five. And I could easily say go in the other direction. But if the Tars can have the you know the real tough starch line speed that they've had, even without the likes of um, Parisi there. I think that we can really push this one and, and I really want to see the Tars take it. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say them by five. Craigs. Cool. Um, all right. I'm going to say <clears throat> Tars by three. Now I'm going to take off my blue colored glasses and I'm going now to say um, the Chiefs by eight. I love it. And I'm not taking mine off. Yeah. <laughs> Look, but honestly, my, my big worry is I think that Neither team has been in fantastic form, but I think the Chiefs probably have a little bit more consistency. I think the Tars might have just dropped off the last couple of weeks. I don't think beating the Highlands is as big as what it used to be. I think the second half against the Hurricanes is pretty poor, and I thought both halves against the Blues was very poor. So I'm worrying that the Shine might have come off their season a little bit. They might just be getting a little bit tired and to bridge too far. But despite that, I'm wearing my Waratahs glasses, so I'm going to go Tars by two. But it's attitude, Tars attitude, and if they can't get up for a quarterfinal, when can you get up for? All right, two, your, two, two, two out of th- I was going to say two out of three tips for the Tars means the podcast we tip at the Tars. That's, that's, that's right, right, basically. <laughs> and uh, and <clears throat> top fantasy picks, guys. Uh, Nels, mate. Uh, it, While I think of someone, 
Now, look, I, I'm, I'm going to just do it because I want the Taz to win. I'm going to say Noangan Itawasi. Uh, he's been up and down. Picking just picks wingers. Is that how we do this? Yes. Uh, he's been up and down throughout the year. I mean, you could easily lean on a bunch of other players. I know someone else is going to say the one I'm thinking of. But Noangan Itawasi, if he's playing well, the Taz are playing well because they're giving him those opportunities. So I'm going to go him. Look, I'll leave the low uh, the low hanging fruit because we don't know if he's starting or not uh, in Nanosaurus, and I'm going to go with Samasoni Takiaho. I reckon he's uh, he he could be a big game player this week. Quite, uh, mate. I'm going to go the even lower hanging fruit and say Angie Bell. How do we not say Jake Gordon? This guy carries mate, the team. Angus, Angus Bell is going to have an absolute blinder just running over the top of the Chiefs props. who have got nothing on him. Yep. And then he's going to run it. He's going to get his running game going as well. And you know why? It's because in the hour that we chewed off Angus Bell's mum last week. <laughs> Don't say we chewed her chewed her ear off. Chewed her ear off. Should clarify. Uh, she's gone, she's going to go straight home and she's going to give him the biggest pump up and say yeah. how excited the fans are for him. And he's going to have a big, big week no doubt about it i agree well, it's all i can tell you is that um angus bell has definitely heard of draft rugby now um after, <laughs> uh, after talking to angus's mum for about a, a good uh, hour and a half but, i was uh, talking to her for 10 minutes before i realized it was angus, angus bell's mum she goes oh my son didn't play that and, match and also I, I don't think we're saving this to dessert but just good news for the australian rugby public but he does have a younger brother uh <laughs> hugh hugh bell who is uh, he's on track to uh, eventually join the Tars, I'm assuming, as a, the Tars hooker, and we'll have two bells in the Oh, that the is ball. a grievance, though, mate. If he's, if he's not already signed up for the next 10 years, that's a grievance. Yeah, boys. Um, is that all three of us? Yeah. It is. Uh, let's move along to this <laughs> next match. Um, this next match, which is the Blues versus the Highlanders, the top dogs. Oh, I thought. sorry, I thought it was the um, the Blues uh, having a bye in the quarterfinal. Effectively, mate. It's... Blues versus the final savage? finals Sunlanders. Um, the new injuries to report this one, Harry touched on it before, the fractured leg or broken leg to Anton Segner. Marcel Renata out as well. No huge losses there. Sounds harsh, but true. Highlanders might have James Lynches missing with a shoulder injury. He carried on after, you know, a pretty you know painful-looking hit to his shoulder, something going on around that shoulder. I think it was of his tip tackle maybe as well onto, onto him. But um, for the returns column, we've got Rico Ioani returning after his little hammy tear. Uh, and then for the Highlanders, there are reports that Shannon Frizzell is good he's to back. go. He's back, man. He played 40 minutes at Club 40 last week. He, yeah, back. he is good to go with the torn MCL, you know, back in round eight. And Scott man. Gregory, man flu, surely he's recovered. Yeah, they, they don't seem super confident. The other two with a bit of question mark over their head, are Mitch Hunt and uh, Connor Garden Bashup as well. Both of those guys are going through the concussion protocols right now. I think Garden Bashup is a little bit ahead of Mitch Hunt with where that's going. But considering they've been a couple of weeks, it's, it's a worry for both of them, to be honest with you, for this week. Um, it sounds like Hunt is probably pretty unlikely, whereas CGB, we might see him. Really? He's getting the initial? He didn't play last week, CGB, did he? No, no, no. They had Liam Coombs fabling instead. Ah, yes. LCF. LCF. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, cool. So in this one, essentially, uh, the Blues A team just had had a bye, had a rest week last week. And the most of the, the Waratah beating B string side or the B team will be replaced. So uh, don't refer to last week's team sheets. Um, just go back the week before and you'll be right. So um, all the big guns back. I mean, the the 
most of the team really picks itself. Uh, you can look at um, the team list throughout the season. Uh, in, in our forward pack, um, I was going to say, is this the first time, I think this season, that we will have the Akira, Papali'i and Satutu back row, which is pretty exciting. Uh, I know they've had that last year, but I don't think they've been able to run that out this year. And who's your choice of locks to partner him? Mm. The locks for the Blues. Um, how well? How am I forgetting who all the locks are for the Blues? Uh, we've got Romano. Um, Old man. So Romano and you and Good Hugh started last week, which yeah. makes me think they're in the B team. To be honest with you, so I, I get a feeling that Tom Robertson might get a start in the five. Well, we've got who? We've got Tom Robertson, Sam Darry, um, Tucker. Yeah, it's Tucker, Tucker. Darry, or Robinson, mate. They're your three. I think it's probably Tucker and Robertson in my head. Yep. Could be, yeah, if, if they're going to go. And, and they really do like Romano as the, the impact player. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's been great all season. So that that's probably the shout for that. Um, and, I mean, in the front row, obviously, probably going to be, what, Hodgman, uh, Kurt Eklund, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, no, 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 Fla- Fla- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, Harry, do you want to take us through the, the back line? Yeah, I, look, I think it's it's going to be pretty pretty stock standard. Finlay, Christie, Bowden, Barrett, 9 and 10. 12, 13, you would think it's Roger Tuovasashek. And if Rico's back, he goes to 13. If not, then I'd say Bryce Heem's going to be there. Caleb Clark not expected to be, to be back from his uh, hammy injury. So oh. I believe that means that Talia will be on the right wing and you'd probably get him on the left. Heem can't um, feel too, though, right? Yeah. If, AJ if, Lamb? Or I'm saying that uh, if, if I think be. Rico's back, but if he's not there, yeah, exactly right. I think AJ Lamb will be the man that slots in as the next stop, next <clears> cab <throat> off the rank. And uh, personally, I just think that there's no way that they'll pick Zan Sullivan over Para Franchise. Para Franchise at 15, hands down. Yeah, I agree with that. He- he has been absolutely awesome pair of franchise throughout the yeah, whole season. The, so. the Blues There's a reason why he legally changed his name to pair of franchise. <laughs> the Blues are 13 on the trot. Uh, I think it's fair to say it's going to be 14 on the trot. But what can the Highlanders throw at him? Kagi. Well, look, I mean, who knows? Uh, anything with, uh, if they have in the back row a starting Shannon Frizzell and an in-form Mika too. I mean... That's some back row, but and um, Billy Harmon, mate, playing well as well, and Billy Harmon, absolutely. Yeah, there you go. But but that is unfortunately where about the team ends. Um, so reminds uh, me of a certain Australian team with a very good back row and nothing else to offer. Yeah, because <laughs> um, <laughs> not going to win this week. Yep. No, look. Well, we know there's no Sam Gilbert uh, banned for five weeks at ten, so that experiment's well and truly over. Um, and we, you touched on Mitch Hunt still possibly with concussion stuff. So that kind of leaves the party at Marty's, Marty Banks. Um, Mr. Clutch himself uh, starting at 10, but um, I don't know. I mean, again, most of the lineup here picks itself. I don't know. if uh, Liam Coltman, they seem to keep switching back and forth. But Can I, um, can I just throw something outlandish? Hmm. They are not going to win with stock standard. They need to have Villamoni Koroi on the field. They need to have... Uh, Falau Fakatava getting some bulk minutes. They need to be able to score points in this one. And, you know, I mean, you've got to give Aaron Smith game time, fair enough. But whether he plays 40 and, and plays reduced minutes, you give Falau Fakatava some more time, I, I don't know. But he has been sparking some, you know, a, a exciting attacking plays for them. And, and Villamonte Corroy, you know, they're not going to be prepared for him getting bigger minutes as well and, and won't have him picked apart. I'd, I'd be giving him some more minutes. Yeah, uh, I just, when you say that, do you mean in a starting capability or do you mean maybe giving 
giving that halves pairing the second half? It's it's hard to bring him in to a starting side. It, I think it would be really really hard. But mm-hmm. I mean, it would actually be pretty good because if the game's close, then you have Aaron Smith close it out, which I think is and and Marty Banks to close it out. You know, kick maybe late. Can't kick a goal, Marty Banks. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I like Go, that. Goes balls to the wall and get your exciting players on early and flip the script. And I think um, you, you mentioned the hooking as well. I think Liam Coltman had a calf <clears throat> injury that ruled him out of last week, so I'm not, I'm not sure how long that is. But I think Macaleo is definitely the favourite to start there as well. The bowling ball himself. The bowling ball. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't really see anywhere in this <clears throat> team where the Highlanders can attack the the Blues. I feel like we've said this a little bit. I've seen some reports that uh, Jermaine Ainsley should be an All Black this year. Can I just put my hand up here and say no, mate? <laughs> First of <laughs> all, I agree. And we're probably going to find out why this week. Is yeah, he mate, even? Mate. I suppose he's, he is eligible now because it's probably been Who three. Who cares if he's eligible? I want to pick him for the Wallabies. No, no way. No, he wouldn't come close no. to the squad. Look, I, I think he's been great this year um, for the Highlanders. Oh. I think he's been very, very good actually. But, um, but I don't think he's going to make the All Blacks. So. Yeah, I'll look. And and I, I kind of touch on this because of the fact that I was looking for areas they can attack. The only thing I can see is, as you said, the back row is a bunch of weapons. So they just need to destroy this game and turn it into an arm wrestle. I don't know. It's uh, plenty played in Auckland, so hopefully it's just pissing down rain and it's just. Impossible to throw the footy around, and Thomas Umunga Jensen can just run straight lines <laughs> off the halfback. That's going to be the the game plan in my head, to be honest. That's literally it. If they could clone Thomas Umunga Jensen at some point this week, that would go a long <laughs> way. But um, uh, no, I mean, he's he's definitely he's going to be able to brother. run. Yeah, I know he's going to run through RTS for sure. But uh, at the same point, RTS is going to run around him. Um, so. Oh, I'll be interested to see that. I mean, he's come out of rugby league where they're used to banking a lot of front-on tackles. It's actually oh, mate, a very good matchup. He, have, you, have you not seen RTS? He cannot go into contact without making that step. He actually can't not go. In. I think so he has like a, the other way around. He's, yeah, he's got like his defense. Oh, his defense, right? Okay, well, yeah, we'll see. But I think I think Thomas Umanga Jensen will run over anyone. To be honest with you, in the form he's yeah. in. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and also to be fair, you know, I've talked up that uh, Highlanders back row, but I don't know how because I temporarily forgot that uh, you know. The Blues still have a Kiriwani and Hoskins to take to that they're coming up against. So yeah. that's actually what I'm going to be most excited for, just that back row and, battle. But then Papaliti. Um, but Harry, how do you see this tip going? Yeah, I'm going to go Blues by a comfortable margin, probably 15 yeah. points. Craig? Yeah, I, I agree. It'll be an Auckland hostile crowd. Um, blues by yeah. 18 points. Blues by 28. Um, <laughs> I could tell you're going to go big based off uh, some facial I'm going to one up as well. I'm going to 20. Oh, come 28 on, is insane, but I, I just... I, don't, I can't have the low lie. I'm going up to 22 then. But... <laughs> I refuse to I'm have going the low to 30. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. And, and Harry, who's your pick of the, the match? Fantasy-wise? Uh, it's got to be Akira, doesn't it? It's always Akira. I don't think it has to be, but um, has to be. His, his last two starts have been pretty atrocious in like the teens. Yeah, um, mate. His last two starts have been in the teens. Well, because you, you let me go second, you know my answer. There's only one other Yuani on the field, so Rico Yuani, mate, he's going to come back and have an absolute uh, cracker of a game. Fair enough, mate. Uh, and I am going to go. Um, Pair of franchise. Uh, <laughs> Did you ever pick anyone but outside backs? What about Kurt Eklund? The bloke's been one of the top fantasy scorers for the entire year. You know what? You convinced me. Kurt Eklund. <laughs> Kurt Eklund. That's actually a much better pick. Kurt Eklund will be 
the high scorer in this match. Wow, okay. Very good. I, I don't know how you came up with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Brumbies versus the Hurricanes. No new injuries <clears throat> for either side, which is great news. Tom Hooper was pulled pre-game last week, but he's back this week. So nothing to worry about there. And Luke Reimer only missed a single week. He's back from his MCL injury in his knee as well. So it must have been a pretty low-grade one there. He goes straight back into start. Yeah, we were. Harry, do you want, do you want, oh, sorry, I was going to say, do you want to just pull up the Hurricanes lineup for us? Um, just on. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll uh, I'll get that for you right now. Sorry, <laughs> while, mate. while he's getting that up, look, I I think the interesting thing about Reimer coming in straight into this starting side is probably telling us a little bit about uh, where they think I think Brown is after quite a big big season. I, I think he's a little bit fatigued. His energy levels are, have dropped, and his his output hasn't been massive. Um, throughout the the back end of this season, these last few weeks, Harry, you got the you got the lineup up. Yeah, I'm just laughing at the fact that rugby.com.au has it's a good place to look for all the lineups. They make a lot of mistakes. They've gone to a new level on this one. They've got the Blues listed against the Brumbies, so they uh, they might be casting forward oh, a couple of weeks. I think. Didn't, oh, yeah. didn't you get didn't you get that update um, from Super Rugby Pacific, Harry? That the Blues are actually playing two quarterfinals this week. Didn't That's you? probably wow. deserved. It's mate. their A and their B team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I think um, I think you're spot on with Jerome Brown. I, I they talked him up, and I think he has had a relatively good year. But he made five of his eleven <clears throat> tackles last week. That is way too low. That- and Luke Rhyme has been excellent off the bench, and I think he was very good in the one start he got as well. That should oh, never happen, 5 of 11 for an open side flanker. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's where you're measured. By I'm, making a, I'm a big fan of Rama as well. Very, very destructive at the breakdown. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably a, a key part to them as well. It, Disrupt it, it, and slow this ball down so it doesn't get to Rayasi. Yeah, I see him in a uh, very much a Liam Wright type of mold. <clears throat> same, same kind of um, stature as him, but... Uh, yeah, now he was really, really good, I think, which is why he's gone straight back into start. So... Um, a big, a big loss, though, or not loss, but uh, no Rob Valentini, who a few weeks ago, when Harry traded him off, knowing that he wouldn't be playing, excellent move by you, mate, uh, right. definitely a trape there. But um, uh, they were hoping he'd be back for the quarterfinals, but um, no such luck. So that's a that's a pretty big <coughs> out for the, the Brumbies this week. But report, he is supposedly close, so could be back for some se- the semis next. Uh, yeah. yeah, Interesting looking at this lineup as well. I, I think we get... A confirmation that Falau Fainga is the Brumbies' first choice hooker with Lockie Lonigan, Nos Lonigan. I think now they're second. Yeah. Um, through this, we've got Pollard. You've got um, the Connell McInerney as well. But yeah, this is definitely their first two. And, and I like to see the slipper Fainga and Ala Ala Toa front three. Lots of experience in those three boys and, and a really, really solid combination. You, you have Nos Lonigan, uh, Scotty Seo, and Sefokau Tai, who's been quite good as well coming off the bench. So really quite a good front three for them. Yeah, speaking of the bench, man, a lot of impact off that bench. So, like you said, a good front row, but then we've got Nick Frost coming on and the <clears> question of having two um, flankers on the bench. So, uh, the only, only side, I think, to do that yet. I don't know. No, I don't know if you know the trend. This is the third Aussie team uh, that we've got playing this week, and it's the third 6-2 split from the Aussies. It, it could be, but is, I, I don't think it's – I think it's the only <clears> time I've seen a team with three specialist open sides – uh, in their lineup, in their 23. I, I can't remember seeing that uh, throughout the season. But um, Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to work out how they're going to actually play them. Yeah. My gut feeling is that Tom Hooper has to come off 
And then that way, Pete Samu plays the 80. But that's a pretty lightweight back three when you're playing Rory Scott, Jerome Brown and Pete Samu. So I don't know if they're thinking just try and destroy the breakdown ball and then throw it around and keep the pace up yourselves against the Hurricanes. But it's a pretty interesting tactic. I'm, it really surprises me, to be honest. To, to What it says to me is um, they just they literally in the second half are going to kill the pill the whole game. <laughs> they're just going to kill every breakdown and make sure that the Hurricanes can't speed up um, the play. Uh, and well, they're just going to keep it to set pace into the corners, the, territories. The Brumbies are going to really hope to, I think, control the set piece for sure. And, mm. and as you said, if, if they're getting out of lead here, you know, I, I think Rory Scott and Jerome Brown were probably undervaluing. They, they are still pretty big boys. Um, but if you throw those two in with Pete Summer, who's the smallest of the lot, there, there's not, you know, a huge amount of size there. But also bringing on the seven-foot-tall Nick Frost, um, so the, and you've got uh, Neville, who's over 200. You've got Darcy Swain. There, there's still some some big bodies around, and and uh, Jerome Brown can run it into contact, and is, is still a physical ball player. But I think that's it. Set piece, and then in the back end of the game, they're going to look to control, you know, the field position, and they're going to look to control and slow down the pill for the the Hurricanes. Now, speaking, speaking of the Hurricanes, I was going to say we've got uh, we don't have the lineup, so we just have some questions here, but. Um, I didn't actually end up going back and watching uh, the game and I didn't really get a good watch of it in the first place at the pub. But um, uh, Coles, how did Dane Coles perform in his first start of the season? I only had him in my fantasy side the entire year to mild, only play man. one game. I think mild. I, think, I don't think there's anything too exciting there. Yeah, I think that's the perfect word, the perfect way of describing it. It was a mild performance. And, you mm. know, the, you raised the question because obviously we're thinking who is going to start <clears> this week. Is it going to be... Almoa, or is it going to be Coles? My gut <clears throat> feeling says it's Almoa. I think he's number yeah. one for them. I think uh, that's what I was valuing and how I've done my prep for the finals, thinking Almoa is going to be the first choice. And then you got Pori Roketi Stones, I reckon, probably starting at loose head. And I really don't know about the tight head if Owen Frakes is going to start again or if they might give him a little little less minutes and maybe start. Is it Tavita Mafaleo on that side? Is, is Lomax, Tyrell Lomax. Tyrell Lomax. He wasn't even on the 23 last week. That's I, the only thing that worries me. I, I thought he was getting a fresh up, to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Mafaleo has had a few cracks at that starting jersey, but I don't I, see no. him leapfrogging. I think I Lomax think is the number one. And I'm yeah, I think you're right. <clears throat> so maybe Lomax to start with Franks coming off the bench. Um, second row, I think uh, they've got one jersey locked in as James Blackwell, and then it's either Sangster or Walker Leawere. Again, uh, Isaiah didn't play last week, so it's going to be interesting to see if he's fit, but no news really on that one at the <clears> moment. <throat> and then in the back row, Gibson, Karifi, Adi Sevier, I think we all have. Um, obviously, they're, they're missing a fair few back rowers. Braden Yoss, they're the first man back out of their, their long list of injured can't, back rowers. Can't you just say no team's had three specialist sevens? That's their, that's three specialist sevens. I know Artie's been playing eight, but that is three sevens. I don't know that Artie's <clears> a specialist <throat> seven. It should be. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't consider him anymore, but I'll allow it on technicality. I'll allow that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's anything else that's probably going to change out of those those look, forwards. I, I don't know. Would Namia has had a lot of game time. Him, I know he shared some with uh, Rocketti Stones, but I, he's... I think he lost way <clears> too much credibility when he just got absolutely demolished against the Waratahs in the scrum. I yeah. think I think he will no longer be the starting prop because of that. And Pori Rocketti Stones, when he's been fit, has generally been seen as first choice. Yeah. Mm. 
which is so upsetting to me because yeah. Namia and also if you remember Alex Fidal has been the in the loose end position. They're yeah. so good, but they just can't get any game time. And guys, so, back yeah. line, what do you guys got? Kagi. Uh, well, for ten, um, I guess. Do do they persist with Aiden Morgan? They do. They never. I think it's got to be Karanara Morgan. Yeah, back back through the the back end of this, he's been getting every single start. Um, so I think yeah, TJ and and Morgan are locked in. Classic, and then Jordy Barrett. I think that they'll play him at at twelve again, but <sighs> I don't I know. I mean, hope they don't. Ian Foster came head. out this week and said, "No, I like him at 15. Don't know what about his what, what we're talking about with his twelve nonsense." But um, if, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I hope they don't as well because I think they have so many good centers. Uh, you know, I'd love to see a center pairing of uh, Peter Yumanga Jensen at twelve and um, uh, Balan uh, Sullivan at thirteen. Yeah, exactly. Um, you just you just don't want um, the best center in the world's brother Proctor on the field, mate. Um, yeah. Seeing whoever else you can slide in front of him. But look, yeah, I, I think I, it's. I think you're right. No, I reckon the swing vote here or the swing fact is just going to be Josh Morby is just in outrageous form. I think Jordy Barrett starts at 12, Balance Sullivan 13, Morby at 15. So then you can just piece the other people around that. Rayasi's got to be now their first choice winger. We always thought he was, but it looks like the coach has finally come around. Yeah. And then that leaves you with one wing spot for either Huyson or Sevilla. Where's I mean, that's your, not even a question money? for me. That's, that's Julian Sevilla for <clears throat> mine. He's, he's been so good in the games he's played. Ah, uh, Look, it's it's a tough one. I, I think probably I would do the same to, to start. Uh, Houston off the bench can cover, Senna can cover wing. I think he lifts the energy a little bit more than Sevilla, so he's more of that impact player. So, Harry, I agree love... with your facial expressions in that they're, they're two players in different leagues, my friend. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. Nelson's in the Houston fan club. But uh, you can be there by yourself. The, the very fact that Nelson picked someone over Hoyson means that he knows that it's it's going to happen because he loves Hoyson. Maybe he's a weapon and he's going to be an impact player. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, he'll be a very good impact player. So, guys, <clears throat> tips. What do we think? Um, I'm going to go last on this one. Mate, Harry, no, Harry this why don't you go first on this one? No, well, we, I guess we didn't talk about the flow of the game, right? How can the Hurricanes actually disrupt the Brumbies' dominance of set piece and ability to control the tempo of the game? Can they? Well, I I don't think they can get the the leg up in set piece. Is my opinion. I don't I don't think they can with Jordy Barrett at twelve. You know, with Jordy Barrett at fifteen, like and his kicking game, they can they can win a bit more of the territory, which means they can control like more of where they want to play. Um, but yeah, interestingly. Let's, 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 let's just be honest. If this game is won by the Canes, it's because Adi Sevilla puts his team on his back. And for that to happen, they've got to be under threat a little bit early and he'll just go, no, nah, this is not happening. That's and and way... also, Julian, Julian Sevilla just runs over Andy Muirhead time and time again. That... He won't happen, mate. Andy Muirhead is the specialist for doing what you never expect him to do. I don't know how many times yeah. that bloke has to play well do, before we call do, him a good player. Doing what I never expect him to do, take the field again every week. It's exactly, every and every time. week he does it again. And he works hard. Um, look, I'm actually going the Brumbies to win this one. So am I. Um, so I, I don't think the Canes will get it done, and if it is, it's because of Artie Sevilla and him alone. Um, and I think that's very fair. Um, so the, the Brumbies are going to win this one by seven. I've gone by eight. Ooh. I I will be the low liar on this one. And I'm going to say the Brumbies, I am going to also back the Brumbies. We're unanimous on this. 
because I want to see one Australian team through at least two, to the uh, semis. Uh, um, and I, yeah, I reckon by six, but I reckon it'll be a close one. But uh, I think the Brumbies will be able to, it's, it's at home in Canberra. So I think they will be able to get the rub of the green. Now, we've all said the Brumbies will win. <clears throat> Can any of us pick a Brumby as the top fantasy scorer? I knew you were going to spring this on us. Um, I'm going to go last this time. All right. Uh, okay, I'll go first. Um, top scorer for the Brumbies. Just thinking no, no, I, I know what I'm saying for the Brumbies, for the game. Sorry, sorry, for the game. Uh, for Lau Finger. He's going he's gonna to have a comeback to his old ways. They're going to score two rolling more tries. There you go. Well, Job done. I'm going to Lacey Rassi. <laughs> he, he, really, he really threw you off there, mate. Um, got him. Yeah. Look, I think that's fair, Kagi. Good on you for picking a Brumbies player. <laughs> um, I particularly one that's only going to play forty minutes. Well, well, you all know who you know who I would have picked anyway if I was picking from all both teams, and it's the Safa Moa just every every day of the week, so that's fine. Bear. I'm going to pick a Safa more. <laughs> you. Okay. You've both betrayed me. There's no one going Artie Savio carrying the whole team on his well, back. He's going to carry them, but not all the way because they're going to lose. Right. Okay. Nelson so just really doesn't love flankers as much as he, he gives on, does he? I don't know what it is. But, um... but he's number eight. So. No, very good. All right. Well, that rounds out the, the quarters. So we've we've bagged, uh, as a podcast, we've bagged two Aussie teams to get into the semis, the what, Tatars and the Brumbies. So um, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, never in doubt. Um, and that will take us on to. Our final section of the podcast this evening, the da 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 deserto. What's a god do with that deserto? Um, Harry, I don't know if you remix that anymore, but um, Wait, the amount of times you've said that, <laughs> we don't. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> let, let's get stuck into some airing of grievances, which has just become uh, probably our most enjoyed part of uh, dessert <laughs> in recent recent times. Oh, um, I don't know if you've noticed, Craig, but our grievances slip in throughout the entire podcast. They do. I feel like we've really just back. Yeah, we've kind of just left it for a summary of grievances, is what it really should be. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Harry, why don't you take us get us into our grievances? Okay, so my my first grievance here is the rebels uh, and how they finish the game off on the weekend and how that hurt the Western force. The team came out during the week and said, we're going to try and win this by eight points and get the force through to the finals. Don't say that if you don't freaking mean it. They looked fantastic, played out of their skins. I'm sure it was on their mind all game. Then they get to the final whistle. They get the penalty 50 metres from their own line. Now, from here, clearly, if they kick to touch, they should be somewhere around the 22. You can't tell me that the Highlanders are going to have a crack to try and win Not that game at the risk <clears throat> of losing their whole position in finals no. when they could just finish the game, take the L, and then go on to the grand final, or yeah. into the quarterfinals. So I, I don't believe there was much of a risk at all of losing the game. Matt Tamua quite clearly was setting up to kick to touch, and then a call came from the sideline. Clearly, the coaching staff has said no we have to make sure we bag the win for the Rebels first. Doesn't matter about the force. And he looked pretty upset when he kicked a touch. He didn't celebrate the win at all. He looked very, very frustrated. And I'm going to put my hand up right now and say, Kevin Foote, see you later. That is the least Australian thing I've ever seen. And I, agree. I that was the worst end to that game. And everyone's like, oh, you know, if you're a Rebels fan, you're definitely going to want that. Well, no. I'll tell you what, I was on Twitter for the hour after the game. I wasn't seeing anyone saying that at all. Yeah, look, I, this really, really frustrated me. Not only was it, you know, pure entertainment to see them try to get this win for for the force, and 
Uh, it it just was. It just they just made themselves look like liars, as you, as you said. They came out saying they were going to do it for for the force, but it was really just a hard one to swallow. It really does feel like a selfish decision from whoever was on the sideline making that call, because the 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 rebels don't leave that season because they won that game by one point any better than having a crack. That's not true. I can tell you that they they finished in 10th. If they lost that game risking it for the force, they would have finished in 10th. No, still 10th. It made absolutely no difference to their season. Absolutely none. And they were still crap. One positive came out of this. (laughs) One positive. And that's that we can shit on Rev and any Reds fan because they're the only Aussies to not be the Kiwi Sun. Cardi, do you have any thoughts apart from us venting? No, I I think you guys have covered everything there. I mean, the only thing I could say is, yeah, as annoyed as Pup Pup Watt looked kicking it out, if I was him, I would have just done what I wanted anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wouldn't care what they said. It's like, oh, oops, sorry, I kicked it for touch and we're having a penalty line out now. Oh, is that what you said? I'm so sorry. You said don't kick it out. I thought you said do kick it out. No, I agree. I'm, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't just overrule it on field as well. That's it. I'm I'm ready for um to show uh Kevin the you know the foot um show him the door, mate. Same later. Give him the boot. Yeah. Give him the foot. Yeah. Um, the the second grievance was this Kiwi lineups. Look, oh, this gets to a point now where I think was, we have aired this grievance well, before. I, we don't care. They deserve it more. This gets to the point now where it is quarterfinals. You're giving your team an unfair advantage. Your fans surely are getting annoyed with you. Congratulations to the Crusaders for the Friday night yes. game. Yes, it's a Friday night game though. But still, it's the chefs. Good on them. We have we what we have done though is we have developed. I'm going to say a movement on Twitter and social media of loads of people also getting after Super Rugby Pacific and all the Kiwi teams um, and Super Rugby New Zealand for um, ca- calling for them to release their lineups. It shows a disconnect still between the two two parts of the comp. Like you're playing in the same comp, have a freaking rule where you have to release your side by this time. And then you can have people talking about it more. You know, it's actually building the the interest of the games. It's so dumb not to do. It makes no sense. You know, let's be honest, guys. The other team pretty much knows who you're going to pick. So just fucking put it out on paper. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, look, I'm going to sound like a broken record. I've said this before, but the Crusaders have said it many times earlier in the season. They pick their team on Monday. They tell the guys who's play, who are playing on Monday. So the only reason it changes is if someone gets injured at training. Yeah, um, yeah. So most of the Kiwi teams have picked their teams and it's just like, just announce it then, you know. Okay. Uh, that's our two grievances for the week. <laughs> we'll move on to the, the other half of our dessert. Ah, yes, the other half. <laughs> if anyone's here. <laughs> if anyone's still here and still listening. Uh, the fantasy side of the year, we've completed the regular season. Yes, we could have done this after the finals, but no, we're about regular season. We're just looking at the top uh, averages of uh, players in each fantasy position and um, a lot of the usual suspects, but um, certainly some new faces. Uh, so some interesting insights there. So look, I'll, I'll take us through the front row. We had um, the boys getting five, it done. Man. Sorry. Do the type five. Type five. Love it. All right. We had the boys, the Waratahs props taking out the two top props uh, average Angus Bell 38.1, which is a huge drop from his heights of 50 something points last year. So uh, and, scrums I, and everything, mate. And I think that's yeah, lack that's of scrum right. points and also that one game in which he got a red card uh, two minutes in with so minus 20 really, really got mm. to his averages. But um, and HJH, 31.7. So these guys just absolutely rock solid. 
and was certainly two of the two of the top three picked up props. I uh, I think in in our fantasy league and in most fantasy leagues. Mm. And then the guy who I refused to believe was any good and capable of these scores, happy to own it, uh, Kurt Eklund, who Harry and Nelson had been um, praising to the high heavens. Uh, 52.1 points. I should have actually looked up what the next highest average was because it was a it's fair a lot lower, mate. It yeah. is significant. It's like 17 points, if I remember. Sure. Exactly. So huge games from him. Um, I think he only had one outrageous score of about maybe 76 or 80 points or something. The rest of them were just in the 50s to 60s consistently. Um, and that's that's whether he scored tries or not. I think he I think he scored five tries in the season and three were in one game and two in another game. So he's he's getting these 50 to 60 points every week without scoring tries, which is pretty Next was Samasoni Takeavo on 42, so 10 points lower. 10 points lower, huge. Um, and quickly taking us through, so the locks, Matty Phillip, 32.1. I think he was our first lock to go um, this year, rightly so. And Jed no, Holloway. No, no, he wasn't. For one, I picked Lucan Salakai Loto above ah, that's because right. I'm an idiot. Harry's regret of the season. Um, And Jed Holloway, 29.4, so just under that 30 mark, um, has had an absolutely uh, barnstorming season. Can uh, we just say, very- that's three Waratahs in the top five. Yeah, very that good. Is. That's Look, four I, Aussies in the top. I was about to say, unfortunately, that's all for the Waratahs. But I guess three out of fifteen, oh. mate, we'll take it. That's a fifth of the uh, fantasy. Mate, it's fantasy. not. You're, you're you're clearly not paying attention to the rest of this. But oh, no, sorry, there are more. Actually, I'll tell let's you let's but jump into. I was going to I was going to say there's an honourable mention in the logs. Yes. And I'll just say for Tupo Vai, twenty nine point two, only point two points behind. So mm-hmm. very very close, and he has been pretty bloody good all season for the Chiefs as well. Um, and then we can, you know, we've got a back back row here made of. Number eight, um, I suppose, if we're saying Artie is a number eight. Um, 42.7 points. He was the top back rower, followed by Harry Wilson with 39.4, and then Hoskins Sotutu with 37.5. So if you're picking a back rower. I can't believe Hoskins ended up that high. I, still, I had him the whole season, and I, he was so disappointing it's, for the first half of the season. It's it's not that high, really, 37.5. Um, it's, well, it's the third highest. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's disappointing, really. Um, no, I'm with you, Harry. I am also surprised. He, he, he finished. He certainly did have season. He did have a couple of big weeks in the first half as well. He's just patchy. He um mm. he was closely tailed by an honourable mention of Henry Thomas Stowers, who, you know, he had some really, really good form before tapering off again towards the back end of the year. And I think that... You know, that knocked him out of that um, period. He had a couple 20s and a couple 30s, whereas previously he was having some 50s and 40s and things earlier on. Yeah. If we go into the halves partnership, here is another Waratah for you, mate. Jake Gordon, 36.7, closely followed by an honourable mention of Tate McDermott, 35.1. Man, I'm just loving that there's this many Aussies um in this and then we've got richie Mongla, who other than richie Mongla at number 10 always going to be the man there 42.5 only nine points above second place Bowden barrett though i thought he was heads and shoulders above that but the blokes only played about six games that's the only other thing yeah he really has been rested a lot but if you look at the drop from Bodie barrett to the next man that's noah lolosio who's another eight, eight down yeah. so he is still you know streaks ahead yeah, absolutely. Um, in the centres, you've got Levi Amour, who went missing for a few weeks the back half of the season there, then came back and finished the strong the season very, very strongly. So 40.4 average for him. 
And in second place, you had Calavetti Revovo at the 39.6 average as well. Ended up besting uh, Apostolome Vota, who was a few points behind down the 33.6. The two of them were at it for the bulk of the season to be the uh, standout centre for their side as well. And then finishing it out with the outside backs, you've got the top average point scorer for the entire season with 58.2, Timothy Tavatavanawai, who we frothed on in the preseason after learning all about him from the uh, Bunnings MPC and his highlights. And Jesus, when he was on the field, he absolutely lived up to his potential. So huge from him and, and so good to see him at the top of the list. Definitely the most exciting player in Super Rugby Pacific, I think, and uh, definitely so my biggest mistake of the season because um, I had him and Ritave firmly in my if they ever play, I'm picking them up uh, category. But uh, Your, your I, mistake is you wanted them if they play. I had him irrelevant if he was playing because he well would that, play later. No, that was, that was the problem is that I was scarred by Ritave because he was in my team never playing, and so then I didn't pick up Tabatabanawai straight up and I lost him to you, mate. So that was my mistake. And, guys, to round out, Will Jordan, 53.9 points, I think makes him the second highest total average as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Celisi Rayasi, 51.5 points, comes in fourth after Eklund as well. And an honourable mention to the man that we said we hope is back from a fantasy perspective this week as well, attending Nano Satura with a 50-flat average. He had a killer season to start against New Zealand as well. So can light it up. Absolutely. We'll make a big difference to this uh, Taz Chef's game uh, quarterfinal this weekend. But um, look, I thought a huge insight out of that for fantasy managers was, um, look, despite the results of the games and, and not being in the quarterfinals, the two new teams, Moana Pacifica and the Fijian Drua, uh, three, almost four players in the starting 15 fantasy players of the year. So that's that's super Great for Super Rugby, um, awesome for fantasy managers. You know, I wasn't I wasn't far off when I said at the start of the season my strategy was going to be just picking all the Moana Pacifica and Fiji and Drua players. I uh, wish I picked more of them, but um, huge. Yeah, it, it's it's massive. It just shows the style of footy they play they play and the the threats that they possess. Um, I, I think the other thing to take away would be silly not to to finalize a point we were touching on earlier. Four Waratahs from this lineup of 15. Um, and we had other threats around the paddock. So yeah, that's a, a really promising thing for the Waratahs. Having threats around the paddock and being willing to play a style of rugby where they're going to try to stretch the opposition. And, and that's entertaining, but it's also very good for fantasy. And and obviously we would have had five. If, if Marky Mark was starting the whole season, I mean, he'd obviously be in there. So we'd have it'd be five. Right, he's not that the consistent thing. yet, but he is pretty good. Um, but how good? Mm. And the other, the other one, sorry, worth mentioning, I, I, I didn't um, finish that off, but with the Moana and Drua, uh, you know, we'd be reticent to mention, uh, even though he didn't make this fantasy side of the year, Benaya Hambossi. Uh, you might be thinking, what? How did he not make it? He was very, very close. He was the sixth top um, outside back on fantasy averages, 48.7 points, and he did play pretty much every game. I think he sat out for maybe two two of them, uh, or maybe three, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, he was certainly one of the standouts and, of the competition. And Geordie Barrett probably would have been in that back three if they didn't shift him to the centres with his 49.6. Definitely drops off playing at centre. 
compared it's, to playing at fullback. It's pretty exciting to think about for next season because you'd have to you'd have to think that um, some of the first outside backs to be picked will, if they're playing again next season, will be Tavatava Nawai and Hambosi. Um, you know, yeah, how so, good. Yeah. Did, how good did you do the numbers yet, Nelson? Uh, when Geordie Barrett did play at centre and when he played at outside back, because we all know we're going to have to sit down and do it before the uh, semi final draft. <laughs> no, I haven't done it yet. If you wanted to send that through to me, that'd be great. Thanks. Yeah. So just, just <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be great. Thanks, man. Just need to see if I need to pick him up before you. Good. <laughs> well, fantastic, guys. Great pod. Um, love the uh, the fierce disagreement as well. Always spices things up. Um, we've got a few big pods coming up for the final series. Can't wait. And uh, we're working in the background at getting a very good guest pod on. So I hope Can that we comes through. No, nah, not yet. It's... it's uh, I haven't, I haven't got a date. I haven't got a date yet. So until we've got a well, date. we can just drop little hints. Also, maybe well, once once we once we lock it in, you can do like a slow one of your slow reveals on Twitter, like piece by piece, like a yeah, jigsaw like coming together or something. You know, show his left leg, then That's... his right leg. <laughs> yeah. <Is it> Kim Jong-un? <laughs> yeah. Which is the hairstyle, is it? Is and can, oh, shout out as well, guys, quickly to the mm-hmm. Aussie Rugby Sevens men's clean, cleaning up in their last uh, <clears> tournament. <throat> and also... They're sitting in second by only two points. And if they win the last title, they win the comp. Yeah. And, and, and by that note, I, I guess shout out to the Australian women's sevens as well, who did lock down. They did win the comp. They, they did win the whole comp uh, in, in, in a couple of competitions before the final mm. um, one of the seasons. Yeah. So. What, a, yeah. what a comeback from our sevens program. That was looking pretty dire. I feel yeah, like. all, all they had to do was just sweep, swap, swap the coaches over. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> Fixed everything. I don't get it. Lots of new fresh blood coming through. It will be interesting to see how it moves forward, especially the men's side. I think next year, some of these players lighting it up will likely be running around in the 15s game. The Brumbies winger that carved up that only signed for this year for the World Cup. Maybe and in a, in, cup this year. in a final point, I was going to say, we'll be doing our um, draft rugby OG league finals mm-hmm. redraft tomorrow for the quarterfinals. So the boys and I will be meeting at the pub with, Blake, the weatherman. Uh, well, he won't be at the pub, but um, is our fourth finalist. So drafting from Europe, the drafting from Europe. So um, that will be good. But uh, yes, stay tuned. I'm sure we'll post uh, how that draft went and um, in for a big weekend. Yep. Uh, I good luck, Harry, for this weekend. Kagi, no good luck for you mm. and mm. Hurut. Good luck, Nelson. Let's do this. <laughs>